They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. To me, that's what Christmas is all about. That is the most important message of Christmas. That God is with us. That God came down and became incarnate, became flesh and blood like you and me on that first Christmas so that God could be with us. And that phrase, that promise, that declaration that God is with us is one of comfort. It's a promise of encouragement. It's a promise of hope. I'd imagine that it was a promise of hope and encouragement to Joseph and Mary. Joseph has found out that his fiancée is pregnant and he is not the father. There's a lot of taboo, especially at that time, in that kind of a situation. And then add into that that they're going to be parents, which is its own challenge and a tough thing to be a part of. But now add on the added pressure that your son is going to be the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Talk about a high-pressure situation. And then Joseph gets one of the names of the child, Emmanuel. God is with us. And I would hope that that was a comfort and an encouragement to Joseph and Mary in this troubling and difficult time for them. But notice that the name of the child, that Emmanuel, doesn't mean God is with you individually, but it's God is with us together. You, me, and the world. That promise of hope and of encouragement and of blessing wasn't just for Joseph, and it wasn't just for Mary. It's not just for me, and it's not just for you, but it is for us. All of the world needs to hear that good news, that God is with us. And that promise that God is with us, spoiler alert, I'm going to say God is with us about a hundred times in this sermon. So get used to it. It's good to hear. But that promise that God is with us is consistent through the life and ministry of Jesus. It's part and parcel of who Jesus is. From before the time Jesus was born, he's given this name, Emmanuel, God is with us. To the very end of Matthew's gospel, to the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry, after his earthly ministry is concluded, after he has died and been raised from the dead, Jesus is standing on a hilltop with the eleven disciples, and he says to them his last words, Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. From before he was born, he was known as Emmanuel. God is with us. And then at the very end, he shares in his own words, from his own lips, I am with you always. The message is clear and it is consistent. God is with us always. But what exactly does that mean? What does it look like and how does it change our lives and our world, this fact that God is with us? Well, we kind of get to see a little bit of what it looks like in the earthly ministry of Jesus, between chapter 1 of Matthew and between chapter 28, between the beginning and the end of Jesus' ministry. We get to see what it's like for God to be with us. We see Jesus touching untouchable people like lepers, welcoming people together with him to eat and to pray, 
like those who are considered outcasts. I like to put it that uh, he hung out with people who are unhangoutable. Sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers. People who are wealthy and people who are poor. Jews and Gentiles. People who are on the inside and know everything. And people who are on the outside who just want scraps. Jesus welcomes them all in. That's what God with us looks like. It looks like Jesus pronouncing blessing to people who don't feel particularly blessed. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are meek. Blessed are you who are peacemakers. Blessed are you who are persecuted for just for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you who mourn. God is with us, is the message. We see it in Jesus' commissioning and empowering us to be his disciples, to carry the cross and follow him, to live and love as Jesus lived and loved us, to forgive as we've been forgiven. That's what it means for God to be with us. And we see it in Jesus' crucifixion and his suffering. We see that God is with us in the midst of our suffering. That no matter what we're going through, God is with us. We see it in Jesus' death. That when inevitably we all face our own death, we know that God is with us. We don't face it alone. Just as Jesus died for us, he dies with us. And also, of course, we see it in Jesus' resurrection. That when we die, we know that's not the end, but we will be raised to new life just as Jesus was raised to new life. Because, yes, you guessed it, God is with us. God is with us is that central theme to the Christmas story to me. And as we gather year after year, Advent after Advent, Christmas after Christmas, Sunday after Sunday, to hear this Christmas story, you ever stop and wonder why? Don't you already know it? So many of us have probably heard the Christmas story, and I mean literally hundreds of times, between Sunday school and church services and uh, books and TV specials. We've heard this Christmas story so many times, we know it inside and out. We know about the angel's visit to Joseph, and we know about Gabriel's visit to Mary, and we know about the host of angels appearing to the shepherds as they were keeping watch over their flocks by night, and we know about no room at the inn and Jesus being placed in the manger. We know the story inside and out because we've heard it so many times. So why bother? Why do you come here if you already know? Well, maybe it's not that we forgot the content of the story, but we've forgotten the purpose of the story. And we need to be reminded over and over again, because it's so easy to forget that God is with us, that it's so easy to believe the lie that God is not with us, the lie that we tell ourselves and the lie that the world tells us, that we are alone, that it's up to us to make things work. That lie is so easy to believe, even when things are going well for us, when everything is going right, 
and you're on top of the world, and you're feeling financially secure, and your family is a model for all other families on the block to emulate, and your faith is one, you have gotten perfect attendance in church, and you put a million bucks in the offering plate every week, and everyone is marveling at how often you pray, and everything is just going perfect. It is easy to believe the lie that God is not with us, because we believe that what's most important is that I am with me, that I do this all, that all of these blessings are of my own doing, because I am so smart, because I am so strong, and because I am so faithful. We believe the lie that it's not because God is with us that we have any blessings to uh, be a part of at all. But it's also easy to believe that lie that God is not with us when things are not going well, when things are tough, when things are painful, when we're dealing with a chronic illness, when we're dealing with our sadness, when our relationships are falling apart, when money is tight, when our faith isn't so secure. We believe the lie that God is not with us that we're on our own and we have to figure it out on our own. Or even worse, we believe not only that God is not with us, but that God is against us, that God is punishing us for our sins and our wrongdoings for the good that we haven't done. It's so easy to believe those lies, that God is not with us. I think that we gather together as the body of Christ, week after week, year after year, Advent after Advent, Christmas after Christmas, even though we know these stories inside and out, because we need to remind ourselves, to remind one another the purpose of these stories, that God is with us. No matter what lies we tell ourselves and no matter what lies the world tells us, it is true that God is with us. We need to remind each other in our prayers and in our encouragement. We gather together to hear those promises in Scripture, those old promises spoken in new ways, so that we might have that faith, be given that faith to trust and believe that it is true that God is with us. And in the sacraments as well, as we taste, touch, smell, feel the water, the wine, the bread, Reminders that God is with us. That promise that God is with us is what binds us together as a community. It's what makes us into the body of Christ. It's what makes us into the family of Jesus. And there are a lot of things that are much less significant than this promise of God being with us that bind people together in relationship, that forge connections. You think about strangers meeting and making small talk, trying to find something to connect with one another, saying things like, oh, you graduated from Lincoln High too? What year did you graduate? And was Miss So-and-so the biology teacher then? Or did you watch the Eagles game last night? Or you play guitar? Me too. What kind of music do you play? We forge these connections for things that are so much less significant than the promise that binds us together as the people of Christ. How much more so, how much deeper, how much stronger is that connection? Well, what holds us together is not our alma mater or sports or hobbies, 
but the love of Jesus through God. Is this promise that God is with us through thick and thin. How strong are those bonds that make us kin? God is with us in the person of Jesus. That's what the Christmas message is about. That God is not content to be far off, but God took on flesh and blood to dwell among us, even in the person of a vulnerable baby. God is with us. In every joy, God is with us. In every sorrow, God is with us. In every struggle and fight for what is right, God is with us. In every death, God is with us. In every life, including resurrection life, God is with us. God is with me. God is with you. God is with the world. God is with us. Together and always. Amen.